0: Last week, we started walking through the letter to the Philippians. We'll continue that today. Morgan Moody is going to be picking up where I left off last week. Morgan's a, if you're visiting with us, he's an intern here at our church. He's one of our own. And we're excited to hear him preach, teach us out of this book. We said last week, Paul started that church on his second missionary journey. He's writing this letter after being in prison. He's in Rome. But he has joy. Well, How can someone be in such dire straits but yet have such joy? But it's joy in fellowship. And you might say fellowship with who? Well, first of all, fellowship with the Lord. He was born again. He came to know the Lord on the Damascus Road. He had incredible encounter with Christ and he yielded to him and is now serving him but he also has fellowship with the believers there in the church in Philippi all of this of course is made possible because of the gospel I want to read to you from Romans chapter 1 if you would turn there with me if you don't have a, a Bible there's a black pew Bible in front of you it's page 1116 Romans chapter 1, verse. look at verse 15. Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. It is written, The righteous shall live by faith. And this is the perfect inspired and errant word of God
1: Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter one we'll be in verses 12 through 18 this morning and you guys heard it here first from Blake if if I go long it's on him and we all agree upon that right No I think it's I think it's just Blake just Blake so Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 18. Uh, before we go there i just want to talk about this weekend that we had the girls had a retreat type deal Uh, talked to plenty of the girls they said they had a great time they said it was a very good time they enjoyed it Uh, we had reagan teach heard she was great heard kins heard she was great Uh, so thank you for the parents who allowed them to come and thank you for the adults who put that together and uh, took a lot of time and effort uh, to help with that we also had a boys overnight last night we had an all out, guns blazing Nerf war. So, if I, hopefully, I make it through without yawning. So, that would be a blessing. So, just thank you to those who help with that. Thank you to those who put in time for that. Uh, very, very thankful for you. So, as Pastor Shane gave us a little intro, we're in Philippians, the book of joy. Paul is writing from prison in Rome. And The theme of the book, he's kind of encouraging the Philippians to live out their lives as citizens of a heavenly colony. So let's read the text this morning. Verses 12 through 18, we'll read it, we'll pray, and we'll get started. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for every soul in here, Lord. Thank you for providentially bringing us here today, Lord. We know it's not by accident. We know that you brought us here. Thank you for Beaver Baptist Church, Lord. Thank you for the the members that we have here, Lord, the visitors that we have here this morning pray that you would just open our eyes, Lord, to your truth and give us your word this morning, Lord, that we would feast upon it. I pray for those in here that do not know you, Lord. I pray that their spiritual eyes and ears would be open to the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me this morning that everything I say would be from you and not from me, Father. Thank you for Jesus who died to set us free. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So there's a few points that I think we really get from this text today. I'll progressively go through them. The first one that I think we get comes from verse 12. And the first point is that God puts us in difficult circumstances in order to accomplish his good purposes through us. There are plenty of examples in scripture of people going through very difficult circumstances, and yet they were able to recognize that God had a purpose in that. They may not have known the specific purpose, but they knew that he had one. And he come to mind, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Joseph. Remember Joseph? Remember when his brothers were jealous of him, and so they originally planned to kill him, and after deciding not to kill him, they sold him into slavery. And after going through multiple difficult things, Joseph said something very profound. He recognized that God had a purpose in it. Let's read it together. Genesis 50, verses 18 through 20. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph recognized that during his difficult circumstances, God had a purpose in that. It was not in vain, it was not meaningless, but it had a purpose. Remember Job, remember when everything was taken away from Job. While Job's family, health, crops were demolished, God was preparing to give him double of what he had before. Job knew that God had a purpose in going through these things. Let's read in Job 42, verses 1 through 2. I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job knew that God had a purpose in his difficult, difficult circumstances. Now, there are some examples, or plenty more examples of People who were in difficult circumstances but did not understand, did not recognize that God had a purpose in that. Think of the Israelites when they were groaning in their affliction and called out to God to save them. Our resident uh, Exodus expert, if you understand, you you understand if you're in our small group, Mackenzie Moody dusted me off uh, this verse. Exodus 2, 23 through 25 During those many days and the the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. They were in very difficult circumstances but they didn't understand why. When Ruth was a homeless childless widow God was creating a a home in Boaz's heart for her to be his wife and God knew that one day she'd be a mother and then a great 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 grandmother to Jesus no matter what the dire dreary circumstances God had a purpose for it we see that in scripture God is sovereign over all of these things he allowed these things to happen and he used them for his greater purpose. They weren't by accident. And I know what you're thinking, uh, at least I think I do uh, you don't know. You know them, you know what you read, you know their circumstances, but you don't know mine. You don't know what I go through. You don't know what I deal with. You don't know what I have to go through. And you're right, I don't. I don't. But God does and he hears you just like he heard the Israelites and he will strengthen you. Psalm 10:17 Oh Lord you hear the desire of the afflicted you will strengthen their heart you will incline your ear. And praise the Lord that he hears us when we're in dire circumstances. But why does he allow these bad things? Why do they happen to us? Why allow such trouble and such hardship to those that he loves? I I may not know the specific reason, but I can tell you the broad, general reason right now. Romans 8, 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. If you're a believer, it's happening for your good and for His glory. We don't always know specifically why these things happen. But if you're a believer, you can trust that. You can trust that he had a purpose. You can trust Romans eight twenty eight that it's working for our good and for his glory. And his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. We, we may never understand, we may never know, but we can trust that God has a purpose for it. And praise God that our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways, because ours don't make sense. So praise God that we don't think like he does and our ways are not like his. The second main point that I think we get from today's text is that Paul can rejoice in his affliction because the gospel is being proclaimed. Let's read 13 through 18. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaiming, in that I rejoice. Paul had several several obstacles to his goal of the gospel being proclaimed everywhere. One example of this was with, in the Corinthian church. There were divisions, and Paul had to deal with them. In 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 15, he said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, that you may be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's something that Paul had to deal with, an obstacle that he had to face. He had to address that issue. Another obstacle that Paul had to face is what we read in verses 15 through 17 today. See, these preachers were preaching in order to afflict Paul. See, they were kind of jealous of Paul, of his position, of his gifts. And they preached Christ in order to afflict him, but Paul didn't care. As long as the gospel was being preached, he had joy. He could rejoice. The affliction brought on by these preachers did not take Paul's eye off the prize. Some want to be preachers to make much of themselves. They don't have pure motives as these. That was true in Paul's day and it's still true in ours. Let's read verse 18 again. What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. In Second Corinthians 11, Paul is speaking of his sufferings as an apostle, which seemed to serve as obstacles for his ultimate goal of winning people to Christ. Let's read that together. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Talk about dire circumstances. That kind of puts things in perspective. See, Paul was willing to endure short-term pain in order to receive long-term gain. Despite all that, despite all his hardships that we just read, he's able to say that he can rejoice, that he can rejoice through all those things. Discouraging, yes. Distressing, yes. Disheartening, yes. Yes. Discomforting, yes, but unable to steal his joy. Why? Because the gospel is being proclaimed. His goal is progressively being achieved. As long as the gospel is being furthered, Paul can have joy. In 1949, Maoist communism successfully took over the rule of China. And in one fell swoop, thousands of Western missionaries were expelled from the country. Churches were closed. Gospel preaching was silenced. The fledgling church in China at the time was weak and struggling. Its indigenous leaders were inexperienced. They were immature. They were small in numbers. It was, without any exaggeration, a devastating blow to the advance of the gospel in China. The world, the world church was stunned by what was, from their perspective, a catastrophe of massive proportions for the cause of Christ in China. In 78, 30 years later, China began to loosen the restrictions. They allowed a few carefully monitored state-sanctioned churches to exist. They permitted that. And Western observers began to see what had become of the fledgling church behind the regime of communist dictatorship some 30 years before. And what emerged took the church and the rest of the world completely by surprise. When communism came to power in 1949, approximately one million Chinese believed in the Christian gospel and professed faith. By 79... 30 years later, there were 12 million Christians in the officially registered state-controlled churches. By 2000, that estimate was over 20 million. And then counting underground churches, the real figure could be anywhere from 50 to 100 million. Today, it it estimates that it accumulates to 5 to 10% Of the entire population of that vast country. God's work was mysterious. Nobody could have predicted that. But it's gospel progress turning evil for good. The gospel in the church was furthered despite major, major obstacles. And it appears the same was happening within the Philippian church. Their spiritual father Paul was thrown in prison. You'd think that take a toll, right? In fact, the gospel is being furthered in two ways in the Philippian church in and outside. As far as outside goes, verse 13 tells us that those around Paul day and night, which were the imperial guards, know that his imprisonment was for Christ. Those Roman guards heard the gospel and some of them were saved. We know that by chapter four, verse 22. Turn there with me. He's in his final greetings. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So some within Caesar's household have been saved because of Paul's imprisonment and because of his influence and his sharing of the gospel to those who put him there. Inside the church Most of the time When someone is punished for doing something Everyone else is, from, is deterred From doing that which one was punished for So you don't see a person You don't pull into the Kroger parking lot See somebody attempt to rob someone Get arrested Get put in handcuffs Taken to jail and think Man, I'm going to try that out Doesn't happen. Getting arrested and put in the slammer is a deterrent. It's meant to slow down the progress of the gospel. Meant to encourage people to cease participating in that activity. Kind of like when kids act up and you make an example out of them in order to show them, show the other kids to not do what they did. It's kind of like last night when I shot Dalton from the whole way across the gym. It was a nice shot, just saying. Persecution is typically a deterrent meant to encourage people to cease participating in inactivity. But Paul says the opposite is true in the regards to this situation. The opposite. Why? Because the cause is worth it. Because the gospel is true. Verse 14 tells us that those inside the church were encouraged by Paul's imprisonment for Christ. They became much more bold in the Lord because of it. They became much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, these guys were thinking, if Paul can go to prison for the sake of the gospel, surely I can too. Hearing that Paul is suffering for the gospel can awaken a believer who's drifted into a slumber seeing the willingness of another who is willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel reminds all those around that what we profess is true it's not in vain it's not for no reason that it's worth dying for but also that it's worth living for it reminds us that This life here on earth is not all that there is. Paul's imprisonment is emboldening them, giving them more courage by awakening them to the reality that Christ is worth our everything, our time, our money, even our lives. It's worth it. And Paul's imprisonment is lighting a fire that shines more brightly than Paul could have shown if he'd been left out of prison. Paul can rejoice in his heavy affliction because the gospel is being furthered. And shouldn't that be our attitude? Shouldn't that be our heart's desire? Shouldn't it be to see the kingdom built up? Shouldn't it be the propagation of the gospel like Paul? I think it should. Third point. We're going to get out of here early, folks. Pastor Shane told me when he was youth pastor, he said that everybody loved when he preached because he, 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 he went real short. I said, you shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> so... The third point we get from today's text. Why is the gospel being proclaimed so important? Because the gospel is the key to salvation. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. The reason it's worth it to Paul. The reason he's able to rejoice And the fact that the gospel is being proclaimed. The reason that he can endure his suffering and still have joy is because the gospel is the key to salvation. The gospel is how people are saved. The gospel is the good news that God sent Christ down to earth to pay for the sins of man. The gospel is that we are sinful, wretched people separated from God apart from His grace. The gospel is the basis of everything that we believe as Christians. The very foundation on which we stand and on which the true church is built. The gospel is what shows us our sin. Is what brings us to our knees and makes us beg for forgiveness to our merciful Savior. The fact is, you must be born again. The gospel is it, the end all be all for believers. So I have a question for you this morning Do you believe the gospel? I hope you do. In order to be saved, you must be born again. You must. God commands it. He commands us to repent, to turn from our sins, to trust Christ's work on the cross as our own, to believe that he did that for us. He commands it of us. You simply must, you must be born again.
0: We want to teach the text, don't we? We study through the Scriptures. We see this persecution, this trouble Paul was going through resulting in the the gospel being proclaimed. And that's really, really important for the church. So church, let's... Let's be looking for opportunities to share the gospel. It's a good application for us, isn't it? We have co-workers, we have classmates, we have neighbors, we have family members who need to hear the gospel. It's interesting when we were overseas, we we worked among people that never heard the gospel. And so we, we came back to the States and people say, you know, the work there is different because you're you're working overseas with people that's never around people that's never heard and and in the States, you know, a lot of people have heard the gospel. And, but whether you're in Asia and you've never heard the gospel or you're in America and you're lost, the solution is still the same. Whether you've never heard the gospel or you've heard it many, many, many times, people who are separated from the Father need to hear the gospel in order to be saved. It is the power of God for salvation. So let's be faithful this week and asking for opportunities to share the gospel. I think in our culture we 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 live a fast-paced life. I don't know if you have a day timer, but when I was overseas, I didn't have a day timer. You had to just get rid of that. I'm a I'm a sticky note guy, you know, and I write out my sticky note. And when I finish the day, if I mark everything through, it's like I have this the Holy Spirit comes upon me and we have worship and, and it's just awesome when I can throw my sticky note in the garbage mission accomplished. I'm just task oriented this way I operate. Well over there you couldn't do that because people just don't live like that and it's slow paced And but here now that I'm back in the States for a few years I'm, I just live by my day every day looking out okay what do I have to do today and I'm just checking things off and I think one of the things we need to do is every day we need to ask the Lord to make us to give us opportunities and and to make us interruptible because we just have this agenda every day and some of us, I mean, we're raising a bunch of kids and we're taking care of a lot of things. We have a lot of responsibilities at work, at home, at at church but I think we just need to be more interruptible and ask the Lord, help us be interruptible today. Give me opportunities to share at work, at, at home, at wherever let's be interruptible this week and and look for opportunities to share the gospel because of all of us here that are regenerate, all of us here who are born again, all of us here who know the Lord, we know the Lord because we heard the gospel. So let's be faithful this week and, and share the gospel so people can be saved. Father, we are thankful. We're thankful for Christ. We're thankful for Him who took on flesh and came and lived among us. And Lord, He... Obeyed in every way. He was perfect. He lived righteously for us. And not only did He live for us and obey Your law for us, but He bore Your wrath for us. And we're thankful that Jesus went to the cross. He bled and He bore Your wrath. He was buried on the third day. You rose. He rose from the de- from the grave, and he he did that so that we us sinners could be justified. So he lived for us. He died for us, and we're thankful. And Father, as we depart today, may we depart rejoicing because we've been together, because we've seen truth and we've heard truth. And Father, may you embolden your church to go out and share the gospel, just like the Philippian believers who were emboldened by Paul's suffering. Father, may we be emboldened. May we be interruptible this week. And may that co-worker and that neighbor, that family member, may they hear the sweet gospel message this week. And may lost people be saved. And Father, I I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, child or adult, who's yet to repent and trust Christ we ask that you would do a work father they would see their sin the way you see it and Lord they would be brokenhearted and they would want to repent and trust you we're thankful for those who are visiting with us we ask that you would give them abundance of grace as they leave and father may you bring us back Again, maybe Wednesday or next Sunday, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.